Hey gang, welcome to another edition of the Real Animals podcast presented by Contender Boats. Uh, my good friend, Captain Jamie Goodwin is going to join me today. GoFloridaFishing.com. Jamie's one of my, uh, probably one of my closest and dearest friends in the fishing business. Uh, I've been in the fishing business, I guess, for I've been guiding 19 years and in the business for about 20 years, uh, a little over 20 years there, uh, fishing the tournament scene, the old, uh, the original IFA tournaments and all that. And Jamie and I have been friends since I first started doing that. Uh, spent a lot of time together in Boca Grande, fishing tarpon side by side with this guy. Uh, very few people, if any, that I could tell you are any better on the west coast of Florida than Captain Jamie Goodwin, just a special guy. Really looking forward to sitting down with him, spending a little time with him, picking his brain. Hope you enjoy this podcast as much as I'm looking forward to doing it. And welcome back to another edition of the Real Animals Podcast presented by our good friends at Contender Boats. If you're looking to build that custom boat of a lifetime, look no further than Contender Boats. Captain Jamie Goodwin, my good man, joining me here. You know, Jamie, you and I have been friends a long, long time, and uh, I've been looking forward to... uh, having you in here on the podcast to uh, not only pick your brain a little, but uh, to make sure uh, I'm up to speed on Jamie's whole story. How you doing today, brother? Doing good, brother. All good. <laughs> all good. All good. So tell me, tell me, how does, how does James, Captain Jamie Goodwin get his start in into fishing? What leads Jamie to be, in my opinion, you're one of the premier guides on the West Coast of Florida. And, and how does all that start? Well, I was a kid. I grew up in upper Tampa Bay in Oldsmar and, you know, my mom and dad worked and we grew up probably, I don't know, a couple hundred yards away from the water. And I was just always fishing as a kid. We just, that's all we did weekends. And we were just always doing something around the water, catching mullet or crabbing or, you know, just sinker dunking is what we used to call it, you know? <laughs> yeah. And then, um, you know, as kind of, we got a little older, me and my brother, you know, we fished a lot together and I was in high school and still fished on the weekends and always, you know, would change of season would come and, you know, oh man, let's go wintertime fishing. Let's go fish creeks or summertime would be coming and we'd be out on the flats. And we'd be, you know, kind of bouncing around from season to season. And that's really kind of where it really started for, for me and my brother, really. Now, did you, your, so your dad was a big fisherman. Did he do commercial fishing too? No, my dad worked for Tampa Electric. And um, um, we just, you know, he had always a love for the water. And him and my uncle when my dad moved here to Tampa Bay when he was 18 years old, um, you know, he was from a small town in Indiana, Cloverdale. And he pretty much married my mom and got in the car and ran out of uh, the Midwest and came down here to be in the sun and on the beach and be in the water. I get that. <laughs> I totally, yeah. <laughs> I totally, I totally get it. But uh, that makes incredible sense. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, in, in your case, and, and I think it's important for people to know as we kind of dive into some of your 
your fishing expertise. Um, you do a little bit of both. You do some commercial fishing, you do some mullet fishing, things like that. And then obviously, like I had mentioned, you're a prominent guide. How did you get in? You know, what made you kind of veer into some of that commercial side of the fishing here in Tampa Bay, Jamie? Uh, I, I mullet fished as a kid and, you know, we really threw cast nets and stuff. And, um, when we were kids before the gill net ban, we used to walk a couple little small gill nets and gill net, um, you know, row mullet and row season. And we ate them. We, my uncle had some really good recipes with smoked mullet and smoked mullet spread. And, you know, it was just something that we did is, you know, I mean, I was young, I was, you know, 11, 12 years old. So, you know, back then, you know, we, we, we just did whatever we did. You know, it wasn't, we never saw the evil in anything or, you know, we just fished and we were just always having fun really at the end of the day, we were just, just trying to make memories and having fun every day. I like it. I like it. So Jamie grows up and he decides that uh, he just can't be off the water and you decide to make fishing a living. How did that come about? I mean, what forced Yeah, that? well, I went to Eastlake High School. Um, I graduated in 92. Um, I'm 46 now. But I was going to college and... You know, I, I just really, really loved to fish and, um, I really didn't know much about guiding at all. And I knew a couple people that were kind of in that business, but they weren't full time. And I just, one day it popped in my head. I said, man, I said, I should probably see about this. And I didn't even know you had to have a captain's license or anything. So I started doing some research on it, realized I needed a captain's license. So I was going to St. Pete College, and I was working at Outback Steakhouse, and I went and uh, took some classes, and uh, within a week and a half, um, I studied my butt off. You know how that the, the, the course is pretty much a cram course. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, I literally started on a Sunday, ended the class on a Friday, took my test on a Saturday morning and passed uh, with flying colors and just, you know, it, it was just kind of like second nature. And and I ended up a couple weeks later getting my captain's license. And then I had to decide what I needed to do to buy a boat. And <laughs> my first boat, my yeah, my first boat was... Um, a 23 foot Dorado and um, um, I bought and I was only 24 years old 23 24 years old and boat motor and trailer I think I spent $32,000 when I was like 20 yeah I was like 24 years old back then it was a lot of money but I guess uh, you look at the boats today you kind of think well that was pretty cheap <laughs> now that wasn't the that, that wasn't your first dorado the green one that you had when i met you yeah that was it man that really was my first i i guided out of that boat for 15 years yeah wow i you had that boat a long time huh. long time yeah man yeah. caught a lot of fish out of that yeah. boat caught a lot of fish my my brother my brother was like man i don't know if you should get rid of that boat you I don't know, man. That thing was lucky, pretty lucky. I don't know if I would do that if I were you, but 
it was time to move on and I needed something bigger and, you know, a little bit more stable and, you know, you get older and, you know, you, you want things new and nice and clean for your customers. And so, but, um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty interesting story. And the first couple of years I started guiding, um, I knew Boca Grand. I had fished Boca Grand quite a bit growing up before I got my captain's license. And I uh, started guiding down there. A couple of years later, me and uh, Jeff Hageman and uh, Captain Artie Price, we ended up winning a pretty big tournament down in Boca Grand. And I was pretty much set on this is what I want to do. So, and then I just made a living after it. Nice. Let's talk about Boca Grande a little bit. Obviously, you're down there. Yeah. Most of your, I know you do some snook fishing there as well, but most of your guided trips in Boca Grande evolve the Silver King, tarpon fishing, you know, mostly yeah. May, June, a little bit of July, sometimes a little bit of the end of April there, but predominantly May and June. And you and I have been friends since before I got my captain's license, so I would say at least 20 years now, you and I have been friends um, since yeah. early early days of the IFA Redfish Tournament Trail, yeah. again, just before I got my captain's license. Um, and then as, as my career evolved in the fishing business, I gravitated towards Boca Grande and tarpon fishing down there as well. And then you and I have been fortunate enough to be roommates there for probably, I don't know, six, eight, ten years, whatever it totaled out to be, um, you know, many years of of rooming together down there. Let's talk about the Boca Grande uh, fishery a little bit. You know, it seems like every year it's a little hot and cold. Um, You know, some years are better than others in in almost all fishing scenarios. Um, But what's your take on the Boca Grande tarpon fishery uh, based on what you saw this season? Well, I'll tell you, this year this was really kind of a defining, you know, year, what was going to happen after probably the worst red tide the West coast of Florida has ever seen in its, you know, recorded days. We, we've had some of the, really the worst water quality I think ever last year was just, it was terrible. Um, but I was very surprised to see, you know, mother nature is pretty funny. Um, we don't really give her enough credit uh, what she can actually do, but it was really neat. I, I, I wouldn't say that we don't need to do do this again, but it was really neat to see Mother Nature. There's something with how she can clean herself up, and this year was uh, absolutely crazy. There was so much bait down there this year, and even though that it killed a lot of snook um it killed a lot of fish um a lot of the fish know how to get out of red tide they don't always get out of it but a lot of the fish can get out of it and a lot of the fish went up the rivers this the, uh, last year and they got up in the fresh water to get away from the bad water but to see it this year, I mean, when I first got there, I mean, there was mackerel and ladyfish and jacks and bait everywhere on every flat. The tarpon did what they were supposed to do. They came in from the south. You know, they, they came up into the harbor. They came up into Pine Island Sound. Um, they laid in the past. They were on the beaches. The beach fishing wasn't as good 
this year as other seasons, but we had a lot of fish and it was really good to see a little bit of a bounce back. We had plenty of crabs. We had plenty of shrimp. There was a lot of good things that I saw. And if we can just keep the the water quality up, I think we can rebound pretty fast because mother nature will let it rebound pretty quick. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I think you're probably right. As I talk to other guys I know down there, Ozzy Fisher and Nick Fisher and some of the guys down there, Ozzy Lessinger, um, just south of Boca Grande a little bit down there in the South Seas area. Um, you know, Ozzy said he, they may, may be more bait there right now than he's ever seen, which I thought was yeah. pretty, was pretty interesting, you know, to have that kind of recovery that quick uh, on such a small, you know, species um, size-wise, you know. Um, it just, I was really kind of shocked that it would rebound so quickly. Obviously, I'm excited about it, but it's still, you know, at the time, it was such a scary event, so much devastation in, in such a widespread area. Um, you know, like you said, the, the ability of Mother Nature to, to heal herself and rebound is absolutely um, incredible. Yeah. And, and you know, really what's scary is, is, you know, we love this business. And it's not just because of the business. We just love what we do. And... What scares me is is if we ever get in a situation where it will not rebound that fast is, you know, I'm 46 now, we're all getting older. You know, at some point, if we ever have something really devastating, we may not, in our lifetime or our guiding career, we may never see it like it was again. Totally recovered, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a possibility, you know, it could take 10, 15, 20 years to recover. And by then for us, it's too late. Right. So, you know, maybe our kids can enjoy it when it can, you know, bounces back. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, once Florida loses this coastline, I mean, all we got is hot. Right. I used to talk about, I used to have that discussion with people when the big, you know, fights were going on down in Boca Grande over the jigs. I I always wanted to remind the locals that were complaining about the jig fishermen in Boca Grande Pass, you do know there's nothing else here, right? Like, there's nothing else there. You have palmetto bushes and tarpon Mm -hmm. fishing. I mean, that's pretty much it. And it's hot. That's it. So don't oh, run, yeah. don't run off all your tarpon fishermen because you're going to be bummed because there ain't much left. So it's interesting that, that you would say that because sometimes I think that too. Like I don't know what you people are thinking. You know, this fishery is is pretty much what you have here. That's it. That's the big it, draw. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's tough to see certain things going on still. Um, you know, especially in our area down in St. Pete, you know, there's still places where, you know, the bottom's not, you know, as good as it used to be. And there's places where there was grass. Now it's mud and it's dying. And and you just got to ask yourself, why? Why is this, you know, why is all this happening? And realistically, um, the only 
thing that you can point your finger at is, you know, really us. It's, it's pollution. It's just too many, too many intrusions on, you know, uh, it's just too much. There's too much of everything. Too many anglers, too many people, too much pollution, too many boats. boats. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, 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 you know, as well as I do, um, we really need to start protecting some of these areas that are still in good shape so we don't lose those two. So what's your you take? Know, what, or, go ahead. Or, or help the water somehow, you know, open up these causeways. I'm a firm believer that, you know, back, you know, 40, 50, 60 years ago when, you know, 60 was built, and Howard Franklin was built and, you know, all, all these big causeways when they dredged and just put sand in and, and instead of building bridges over everything, you know, they really choked off the bay from flowing like it used to. And it's taken 40 years to die, to kill it. And now, you know, until we open all that stuff back up and let the water flow like it used to be, it may take 40 or 50 years to fix it. And, you know, we've got to get this water moving. You know, it it cannot sit up there for two months in the summertime above 92 degrees and expect our bottom to stay alive. There's just no, there's just no way around it. It's interesting that you say that. I just recently did a podcast with Captain Blair Wiggins, and and Blair was talking about the same problem over there on the Space Coast. All the causeways went in and stopped a lot of that water flow. And when they stopped that water Mm -hmm. flow, things just started to change. I mean, it's just part part of the process. It's part of what we did to those areas. And adding culverts and more water flow can only help that, you know, the more fresh, clean salt water we can get in and out of those areas, the better off we're going to be. It's kind of like our live well systems in our boats, you know, you want a ton of fresh water yep. in and you want a ton of fresh, fresh water out or salt water in and salt water out in this case. So, I mean, it all makes sense. The interesting part to me is that, you know, I don't fancy myself a very, you know, not an overly smart human being. I'm just a high school graduate, you know, and I had to fight my way to get through high school. So, I'm not all that bright, but it scares me that I can figure this out and you and I can figure it out. And some of the people that are in pretty powerful positions can't come to this conclusion, you know, makes me nervous. Yeah. And and really (laughs) what it is, it's it's money and they don't, you know, they don't want to, you know, come off their, you know, parking lot budget for, you know, a new parking lot. They're putting it in at Walmart, you know? Instead of doing that, let's let's take that money and and put it towards something else. You know, let's try to figure out how to, you know, keep the trash out of the bay. Let's hire some, you know, full time, you know, fishing guides outside of, you know, busy season to, you know, maybe, you know, Pinellas County or Hillsborough County can hire a handful of guides that love the water that will take care of the water that w- the way it needs to be. And, um, you know, have some full-time people picking up garbage. You, you wouldn't be, you would be amazed the amount of garbage 
that flies out of the back of people's cars and trucks and vehicles off these causeways into our water system. I mean, just drive down alongside a bridge and there's plastic bags and bed liners and tires. <laughs> and right. I mean, there's just got to be a better way to keep, you know, what we have left, you know? Yeah, no doubt. Find a way to take better care of it. Let's change gears a little bit and let's talk a little bit of fishing. As I said early, um, you know, there's a handful of guys on the west coast of Florida that I just think are just a cut above. They just look at fishing differently than than most anglers do. And and obviously I put you in in that class of guide here on, on Florida's west coast. What are some of the things, Jamie, that people don't think about? What are some of the things you think you could tell them, you know, real quick that would maybe, you know, help them become better anglers? What is it the regular guy doesn't do that, you know, somebody in your skill level does that puts you that much better than them on a Um, a daily basis? Water temperature, uh, water flow, moving water, um, too much fresh, you know, this time of year. You know, you can find too much fresh water or that fresh water will push fish out. Um, you know, if the water's not flowing in the summertime, a lot of time maybe the fish are there, but they're not biting. So you got to go find cooler water. Um, I really try to find cooler water this time of year. Um, you know, water temperature is funny. And it can change so fast, and it drastically changes the fishing even quicker. And that's probably one of my biggest ways I fish. Um, You know as well as I do, you go down to Fort Soto on a quarter moon tide in the middle of summertime, you know what you're going to get. Pretty much, it's. I mean, the fishing's done. I mean, you know... So I'll run up into areas where maybe the water's a little darker and cooler. Um, the sun's not, you know, blasting through it. And, you know, the fish can get down underneath and, you know, in a little bit deeper water and and, and stay cool. And vice versa in the, in the springtime. Maybe they're looking for warmer water. Right. So I'm always really playing that card. And um, it's really helped my fishing for sure. Yeah, that's a good that's a good one. I like uh, I like dock lines, um, deep water shorelines with heavy mangrove cover this time of year, um, and and again, like I said, docks because docks you know give you that giant shade, and uh, you know if you can find areas of dock lines that are holding a lot of mullet things like that, you know there's a lot of activity on that shoreline. I think that's those are good places that you can get in and and steal a couple of summertime fish. You know, on even your tough days, yeah. as long as that water's moving a little bit, you know, you may not have a 30-fish yeah. day on the docks, but you could sneak in there and catch four or five of them, um, you know, and, and, and turn yourself into a pretty good summer morning um, by just kind of paying attention to the, you know, the depth and the water flow. And, and again, the docks, older docks provide that shade. Uh, a lot of barnacles, great, you know, place for them to kind of sit and, and wait to attack a bait swimming by, so... I think all of that kind of plays into it a little bit. Um, I know you you had said something, and I I say it all the time now, you know, that tides are so important to our fishery um, here on Florida's West Coast for sure. So 
And I remember you saying at one of the seminars you do with me, you get about 14 good days a month and 14 bad days a month. Dive into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I, doing this for over 20 years now and um, you kind of got an idea of, you know, you, you kind of make a, a mental file of how the fish are biting. And I like around the moons. I like three days before and three days after and the day of, and that's seven days. And then your next moon phase is the same. So in my book, there's 14 good days of fishing a month or best days. There's never a bad time to go fishing, but you know, when the, when that tide's moving and the bait's moving and you know, uh, the the water's really flowing. It gets the fish, you know, hyped up to feed. Right. Um, I think that's a huge game changer when when it comes to a bite. That you know those fish know that you know they can sit there on a on a you know corner of a pass or on a grass flat that's flowing. They don't have to move around much, and the and the food just comes to them. And I think that's a real you know, something that people need to key in for sure more. And when it, now I want to talk to you about artificial baits because I, I fished against you on the tournament trail for many, many years. One of the best, again, tournament fishermen uh, in the whole state of Florida. Uh, do you have a preference, hard baits or soft baits? I like both. I like hard baits in the, in the winter and in the spring. Um, and then I throw kind of um, soft plastics kind of throughout that even um soft plastics kind of let you fish harder and uh, fish faster hard baits are a little bit more slower sometimes you can't work them as fast you're you know you're you're slowing the bait down jigs um throwing jerk baits and stuff like that you can work kind of faster cover area quicker and um kind of a search bait really and um the the hard baits usually i'll throw them when i'm on the fish so um, you know i i like both i'm I'm a big fan of both you know i always usually keep one on my rod in the boat and you always give it a try because you never know right right interesting that's pretty interesting. So, and, and I love to ask this question, and I think I know where you'll go with this, but what is Jamie Goodwin's, and, and again, I've seen you permit fishing and offshore fishing and king fishing and snapper fishing and tarpon, all of it. I've seen you do just about all of it in the 20 years we've known one another. What is Jamie's favorite thing to do when it comes to fishing in general? Is it fly fishing? Is it, I mean, what is it that, you know, today Jamie's off, Jamie's going fishing. What is it Jamie would want to be going to do if you could pick it? Honestly, uh, I, I like to know I figured out how to catch the fish. It really doesn't meet matter what species I'm going after. Right. It's what did I figure out today that didn't work yesterday or maybe change today or what are, why are they doing what they're doing today and not yesterday? I love the challenge of getting fish in general to bite. And, um, 
it, it's just, it's like a puzzle to me. And the puzzle, sometimes, you know, I scratch my head too. And, you know, every once in a while the fish win. But, no doubt. you know, I, I, it's just the way it goes, man. It's fishing. And I always tell my clients in my boat too. I said, listen, I'm going to take you out. I know where they're at. We're going to try to get them to bite. We're probably going to get them to bite. But they have to do their part in fishing too to catch. Right. So the fish. The fish have to do their part as well. So, um, but yeah, I, I just like the, the game. I like the game behind it. So it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to you. You're going out to play the game either way. Right. Exactly. I like the game. I got you. That's interesting. That's a good, uh, that's a good answer. And then one of the other questions I always like to ask everybody, cause I get put on the spot with this question all the time. If you could only fish one place, for the rest of your life, and I know you've been Louisiana, you've done a lot of different things. If you could only fish in one place for the rest of your life, where would it be and why? Man, that's <laughs> tough, Mike. <laughs> I know. Everybody says that. That one's a good one. Yeah, of course it is. Uh, well, let's see. Louisiana has food and fish. <laughs> that's just about it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's a good, you know, that's a pretty fun place to fish. But Boca Grande, uh, man, that's tough, man. I can't answer that. (laughs) You're uh, tapping out? (laughs) Yeah. I would probably have to say uh, wherever my feet are, that's where I'm going to fish. You're just, you're not giving me anything today. You like both hard baits and soft baits. You're not going to give me anything. And that's just a too tough a question because I've been all over the place and fished and I like it all. I get that. I get that. I always, I always used to say um, Boca Grande because kind of. Boca- I would say, but I mean, if I was going to really pin it down, it would probably be Boca Grande. Yeah, there's just because of something it's just about too much to do. Yeah, there's and there's something about it. Um, you know, starting my career, you know, really getting launching my career along with the IFA tournament series that started um you know the first one of those i was at in jacksonville there i wasn't even a captain yet um and i took my first pro check in in boca grand um mm-hmm. wasn't a big check it was only 500 bucks but at the time it was really big because <laughs> you know you'd gone from just amateur angler to you know fishing professionally and making some money and uh, all that stuff, and then all the, the the incredible memories from all the tarpon seasons down in Boca Grande. Um, it's such a special place. You know, my ties with South Seas Island Resort now, and being able to go down there a couple times a year and film shows with Ozzy Fisher and Nick Fisher and Ozzy Lessinger and that whole bunch down there and in the sound. Um, that's pretty special. Um, some of the characters in Boca Grande are pretty special. You know, Bo Johnson. What a oh yeah, <laughs> what a piece of work that guy is. Um, you know, and again, all the people we'd see down there and, you know, our travels for tarpon season down there, you know, old Dino Parks, God rest his soul. You know, I wouldn't see him all year, but I'd see him in Boca Grande and Jeff Totten and Jay Withers. I mean, there's just so many characters. It's such a, it's such a fishing rich history place too, you know, with the lighthouse there and, and, and just Boca Grande, the island being so special. So I, 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 for some reason, when people ask me, I, 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 it's hard for me to turn away from, you know, from Boca Grande. 
So yeah, I've spent a, I've spent a lot of my life there for sure. I, <laughs> yeah, I uh, and I've also raised two kids, two beautiful children on you know catching fish in in that in that small area, and it's definitely uh probably number one for sure yeah i'm uh, not sure I'm not, and i'm not sure i'm not sure the kids um understand how special an opportunity that is you know what a again history wise what a, what a special place boca grand uh boca grand pass boca grand florida i'm not sure people understand how special that is history wise you know the phosphate docks and you know obviously the the rich rich tarpon traditions down there and it's just a neat neat place you know my first permit you know that i I caught clients all that stuff all a lot of that all happened my first tarpon for clients all that happened down in boca grant so Mm -hmm. to me that makes it kind of a neat place you know spending all those years you know me you and hageman and paul ranger and chad manning i mean the the memories and the jokes and the laughing and the you know, messing with one another and squirt bottles and, <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, yeah. yeah, Boca Grande was a, oh, was a neat it, place. I, I didn't hear you mention beer. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a couple of beers we're drinking, Boca Grande. <laughs> we drank a couple of beers uh, in Boca Grande. A few. Couple just of, a few. Yeah, just a few, a couple of beers. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Captain Jamie Goodwin, uh, com. his website. Uh, you got to check this guy out if you're, Again, looking for, in my opinion, one of the best guides on the west coast of Florida. Uh, and he's not just a great guy. He's one of my dearest friends, just one of the greatest people I've met in the fishing industry. He's got a great family. Uh, he's good with kids, all that stuff. GoFloridaFishing.com is the website. Captain Jamie Goodwin, I appreciate your time today, brother, and uh, have a great day. We'll talk at you soon, buddy. Thanks, Mike. Captain James Goodwin, our uh, Real Animals podcast this week. Again, one of my truly nearest and dearest friends on the water. Just a great guy. Such an an extremely technical thinker on the water. I mean, Jamie is constantly analyzing why the fish were where they were and where they were the day before and why they're going to be in this spot tomorrow, what they're eating, uh, the water temp, you know, like he was talking about, all those really you know, technical, detailed things are what separates Jamie and makes him just an incredible, incredible West Coast guide over here. So uh, GoFloridaFishing.com is his website. Captain Jamie Goodwin, just an incredible, incredible angler. Real Animals Podcast are available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and RITampaBay.com. I need all of you to do me a favor and remember to subscribe, rate, and review. That helps uh, other people find the Real Animals podcast, kind of moves you up in the ratings a little bit and makes people kind of take notice. Uh, We try to drop a new podcast on you each and every Tuesday. Remember that the Real Animals podcast is presented by Contender Boats, and you can also follow Real Animals on uh, the Facebook page at Real Animals, or Facebook slash Real Animals, I guess, and uh, on our Instagram page at Real Animals TV and on Twitter at Real Animals Fish. Again, thanks for tuning in today and uh, checking out the Real Animals Podcast. Man, Captain Glenn Taylor, just a ton of energy out of that guy. Um, just incredible, 
love and passion for the sport of fishing. Uh, again, one of the best on the west coast of Florida. I filmed some incredible shows with that guy. I mean, we did a permit show one day. It was just absolutely bonkers, ridiculous, crazy. Uh, I made a I've made deep runs with them for Big Mango Snapper and Big Gag Grouper, and uh, I've done some nearshore stuff with them for large mangrove snapper where you wouldn't even think they would be, you know, on a very public piece, you know, as Glenn was talking about in the in the podcast there. I mean, the guy is just really, really talented. Again, detail-oriented, incredible, incredible fisherman, Captain Glenn Taylor. The Real Animals Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and ritampabay.com. Three important things. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review. Again, that really helps the Real Animals podcast get found by more people, and uh, we would appreciate your help with that if you enjoy it, uh, helping us share it with some other anglers, uh, some other interested people in our podcast. Uh, Remember, we try to drop new podcasts each and every Tuesday. So I'll be looking for those to come your way. Remember, we are presented by Contender Boats. If you're looking to build that dream boat, that uh, custom boat that you've been thinking about, wanting to put together, nobody builds them better than our good friends at Contender Boats. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. We truly appreciate it. Radio Influence strives to bring you excellence in podcasting. We work with personalities like TV chef Brian Duffy, radio personalities like Ian Beckles, news and political pundits like independent journalists Frank and Tracy Beans, experts from the sports world like veteran football scout and coach Chris Landry, pro wrestling personality David Penzer, MMA experts Jason Floyd and Daniel Galvan, and strength and conditioning coach Jeff Crochelle. If you're looking for food, sports, music, entertainment, politics, no matter the topic, Radio Influence has something for everyone. All of Radio Influence's programming can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.